This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I'm honored to be joined by Johanna Way, uh, Director of Property Consulting at Turnkey Intelligence, and really excited to have her on to share her story, uh, a little bit more of an unconventional way of getting into the sports industry. She'll tell you more about it, but I wanted to connect the dots first. Uh, we did an episode uh, a couple weeks back, maybe maybe a month or so, and with Haynes Hendrickson, uh, the general manager at Turnkey Intelligence, and I just want to go full circle with the story if you listen to that episode. Uh, Johanna was the one who my dad met on a plane, and we've we've connected since, and she introduced me to Haynes, and so uh, we'll just kind of throw that full circle out there to start off the conversation, uh, but Johanna, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jake. Now, give us a little bit of insight into how you got to where you are today and kind of what your story is if somewhere to someone were to rump, you know, bump into you in the elevator or on a plane. Right. Well, I think along those lines, we can always say that it, uh, I certainly live by the saying that it always, always pays to start a conversation and that directly correlates with your dad starting conversation when, when I was on the plane, I think I was flying from Philly back to, to Phoenix. And you know, I had, I had a report open or something I was working on and he, you know, caught, caught wind that, I was in the sports industry or was working on a sports project and then was, you know, proceeded to sort of start this conversation ending with exchanging details. And now here we are capturing this podcast or recording this podcast with you. So, um, yes, my career to date has, has certainly been quite unconventional. And as, as you can hear, I'm from Australia and anyway, so I came to the States when I was 18 for the first time and I swam in college and would, you know, would come over here to, to train with a couple of teams in Phoenix where my family were. So Brophy East and then did some, you know, swam with the team at ASU. So from there, that was sort of like my first touch point with, with sports in the States and sort of had this vision to come back and potentially come to school here and, you know, like swim on a team and sort of have the full-fledged uh, U.S. sports or, or college college experience so um anyway I like coming out of school I was I mean from from a young age I grew up in a tiny beach town in Australia called Byron Bay which if you know if, if you're dialed in with the surfing community that's uh it's it's a very it's a I mean it's it's a, it's a teeny tiny surfer town that you know is is small enough to I mean it's, it's comfortable and it's, it's a holiday destination but it's also a a place that to stay long-term there's uh there's the offerings that a city has that sort of drew me to get out anyway so I went to school I went to, I studied at the University of Sydney um I competed from a young age as a swimmer and that sort of carried through to through to high school and I sort of I, I switched gears to another sport called surf life saving which is iron woman racing so somewhat different to uh, triathlete iron woman racing but anyway so that sort of that, that took up a lot of my time, a lot of my spare time, probably like five, four or five hours a day of training collectively in the morning and, and afternoon. So um, coming out of high school, I actually started competing internationally, which sort of took me to, I had a couple of competitions in, in Italy and, and Germany and sort of, sort of kept, on, kept on that wheel for, for quite some time. And then going into university when I was looking at, at sort of what I wanted to study in Australia, it's slightly different in the sense that you have to be quite definitive with your career path coming out of high school. It's not, uh, you know, not the same model as, as the U.S. college system where you sort of pick your electives and then you sort of, you know, in your third and fourth year start to decide what your major and, and mine is going to be. So I studied um, 
education, specifically human movement health education, but had a focus with sports management and was really interested in like physical, you know, physical therapy and wanted that to be my career path. So through college, I, um, you know, I was lucky to get a sports scholarship to the University of Sydney and I lived on campus at the Women's College. So, um, yes, my world was, was certainly based in, uh, well, in, in central Sydney, but then I competed at the beaches. So, anyway, it was a lot of travelling. My parents, that I, I will, I'm forever indebted to them for coming out when I was in the peak of, of training and would sort of cart me to and from the beach so I could, you know, get all my training in, in a day plus school plus everything else that was, you know, the demands at that time. So anyway, my third year of, of uh, university, I still had this itch to get back to the US and had applied for a couple of um, study abroad programs and the, the UC schools was, was my top preference. So um, I got lucky enough to, to get accepted into UC Santa Barbara, so University of California, Santa Barbara, and, uh, and you know, was still competing whilst I was over there and... Um, yeah, just really wanted the uh, the quintessential U.S. sports experience or U.S. college experience. So I joined a sorority. I played lacrosse. I played volleyball, tennis. I just, you know, I had two days of classes and the rest was jam-packed sports in between and, <laughs> and uh, in my spare time. So I volunteered for the athletic department. So that was sort of like my first real you know real experience with I guess like college sports and I absolutely UC, I loved UCSB it. was uh the gauchos right you got it yeah. the gauchos wow look at that right and um anyway so I I just I absolutely loved that experience so you know all my subjects that I was studying was sports nature or, or sports related subjects sports business sports psychology nutrition etc cetera, etc cetera. um but yeah I, I just absolutely loved working these events so I, you know, definitely a, a monumental point when I was at, at one of the games. I mean, I just, I would, I would try and line up meetings on the side and sort of speak with some of the directors and staff that worked for the, for the department and was just absolutely fascinated and, and thought, I think like this is, this is my absolute calling. Like I want to come back and I want to, I want to work in the States. So a funny, a funny story. One of my first games, I it was it was the Gauchos versus uh, North Carolina, and obviously there was a whole lot of buzz with the Tar Heels coming into town, and ESPN were covering the game. So it is the Gauchos, uh, you know, it's 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 their it's their quintessential uh, tradition that they actually launch tortillas uh, at you know when when <laughs> when, when points are scored. So they, we had our debrief uh, before the game started. Anyway, so the, the staff are saying just beware like we know this is going to happen we're obviously on the clock with ESPN covering the game we need to stamp this out and search students before they come into the arena to make sure this doesn't happen so uh, the first three pointer is scored and tortillas are flying left right and center <laughs> anyway so then the, the the clock stopped we, we're scrambling trying to clean up all these tortillas that are coming left right and center from like all angles of the field um the guys are out there like you know cleaning the floor and, and you know, try, trying to resume uh, game time before, you know, to, to keep, on, keep on track with, with TV. Anyway, funny experiences, but that was sort of like my first uh, real US, like, I mean, college experience with TV and sort of like the full-fledged production. So, again, that just really resonated with me and I was like, this is, this is just so cool and exciting. And, you know, um, college sports in Australia is quite different. It's more on a club uh, more like a, a club competition system. You don't really have like rival matches between like inter-university. So again, this is something entirely foreign, but I just couldn't get enough of it and, and wanted this to be my future. So anyway, fast forward, I uh, went back to Australia, finished my degree and was just laser focused to get back to the States. However, I, I had to make this happen. So I did, you know, sort of had a bit of time off as, as you know, Aussies traditionally love, love their travel. So um, I actually, I lived in Aspen, Colorado and did a ski season. So I was a ski instructor and a bartender, which was a pretty ideal lifestyle for six months. And um, so X Games is, is, is at Highlands in, in Aspen. So then I was like, oh, I've got to be a part of this. Like, what, what, can, I, what can I do to get some experience here? So um, two weeks beforehand, I volunteered. So kind of just got at whatever event, 
in whatever shape or form, however I could help, I would be on the slopes, on the half pipe, whatever it, you know, if it was escorting the athletes or like the VIP guests, whatever it was, I was like all about it. And having Sean White doing like pulling his like 360 crazy maneuvers above head, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, and at the time when I was working in the bar, actually just to tie in what comes next, I was watching a lot of football because I watched the Monday. Uh, I mean, I work, I worked the Monday shift. So the Broncos became my, my first team, I guess that I, that I started watching. Um, anyway, so at that time, going back to the action sports, I actually chased an opportunity to Lake Tahoe and uh, was working for a small startup in content acquisition and sort of tying in sponsorships to, to uh, programs that were sort of in its infancy. Um, so I was with, I, you know, I worked with, um, with this company for, gosh, I think it was about four or five months and worked in a restaurant on the side to supplement myself and keep myself going. Um, and then at the time, you know, I still was, was kind of getting into this whole football world and thought I would start applying to a couple of football internships and, and um, you know, just openings at, at colleges. So anyway, unfortunately that year was the year of the lockout. So every, you know, every application that I was sending was sort of getting shut down or wasn't gaining any traction. So I was like, all right, I, uh, I don't really understand what's going on here. So anyway, I had to educate myself on what the lockout was. Um, and had interviewed with the Seattle Seahawks. So usually when they get staff or like, I guess when, when they were looking at sort of bringing on staff was around, you know, pre like leading into training camp around the June, July timeframe. So anyway, it came to September and, uh, hadn't really, you know, I was like, what, what is going on with this whole lockout thing? So I, I, I re-engaged the Seahawks and, you know, since I was in the, I was on a, what's called a J1 visa. So I had sort of like a time frame that I had to be out of the country and I actually had three weeks left on the visa. So I just, I took a chance. I, you know, I got in touch with, as I said, I, I, I lined up an interview with, with the Seahawks and said, I'm flying to Seattle uh, on Monday. I would love to come and meet with you in person on Tuesday and Wednesday just to introduce myself. So they, you know, Lisa Gregory graciously or now Lisa, Lisa Young graciously, you know, brought me in for an interview. And I stayed with my cousin who was living in, in Seattle at the time and, you know, went into the VMAC, uh, the, the VMAC training facility, which was, you know, still to this day was one of the most mind blowing places. Like the, you know, my first touch point with a professional sports team in the U S I just, I couldn't believe it. It was an out of body experience. So anyway, having, I, I went in, had the interview left feeling pretty good about it. And then the next day got, got word that, that I got the internship. So I was like, all right, <laughs> at that stage, I had actually moved what I had to, to Seattle as in my, my, what I, my suitcase and my life contents and um, <laughs> had to quickly go out and buy some suits and, and, and bits and pieces to get ready for my first day. And at that time, I was actually training for a, a marathon to run with my with my family, my cousins, a marine, and we were due to to run this marathon in DC on the on the weekend of I think it was like the thirtieth of September. So in fact, I get the job and have to, you know have got to be at the game, and it was a Seahawks versus versus Cincy. So again, like another you know stepping into CenturyLink and seeing I mean and we all know that CenturyLink has a reputation of being one of the loudest stadiums in the league it was mm -hmm. such a euphoric experience and I still will get like tingles to this day thinking about like just that feeling of being on the field being like having a having a start or not even not even knowing it was going to go where where I am today but to actually like get my first my first real start in in uh in NFL so um, so I worked with the, the Seahawks and the Seattle Sounders. So it was joint operations at the time, which was quite a unique setup. So, I mean, for me, it was, it was a great advantage because I had, you know, double the experience essentially. So um, I, you know, that was, I think I was, I, I worked for the team for about 14 months. And during that time, I really made the conceited effort because I, I, again, like I, I was, the corporate partnerships team traditionally touches a lot of other departments you know, with it within a, a, a sports front office. But mm -hmm. I really made the effort whilst I was at the Seahawks to learn about the other departments 
within, you know, with, with, within the organization and to really sort of get my, get a grasp on how it all sort of complements and feeds into each other. So yeah, whenever I had spare time, I, I would just put my hand up for whatever, whatever I could get involved with. If it was an event that community service department were, uh, were running, I would be in on that. I, you know, it, it was sort of the infancy of social media. So I was down with the social digital department sort of asking what they were doing and sort of how that element of the game day experience was evolving and, and sort of interacting or, or launching new platforms to, for fans to engage. So, uh, so anyway, towards the end of the internship, I was, I, you know, I had to start sort of looking for, you know, for, for what, what was next. And again, with, uh, you know, with, with the visa situation and, and whatever else, that was the, ele- the, the additional little element of the, ah, the, that was challenging because it was, Firstly, I've got this experience, which is not great in the grand scheme of, you know, being in trying to get a full-time position in such a competitive industry, but also to convince the employer to sponsor me uh, as an Australian citizen to work, to work in the U.S. So um, I, you know, and and Joanna, we, and we know that it's, you know, you don't get into sports for the money, right? So exactly. It's not, it's not like, uh, they had, you know, a bunch of money they were sitting on to, to throw out at a visa. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and fortunately with this visa, they, they, it isn't a high overhead, but you know, it's, it still was, I had to, I had to build a case and, and a pretty convincing case for them to want to keep me and or take me on sure. and take a chance on me. So, um, you know, I, I brought, I brought, you know, as much energy and, and put everything into every day that I worked for the franchise and just, you know, um, was lucky to be connected with a lot of other teams. So I just sort of thought to myself, if I'm really going to have a go at this and, and sort of see where I can sort of grow in, in this industry and preferably stay on the West Coast, um, as my family was on the West Coast, I, my cousin, who again has stood by my side through this whole process, Danielle, um, we got in the car and we drove through the night down to Southern California and I literally interviewed like door knocked or leveraged connections or connections that, that the, the amazing staff at the Seahawks have put me in touch with. I lined up interviews all up the coast. Now, at that time, I certainly didn't have, right, I was on, you know, talk about humble beginnings, didn't have a lot of funds and was, was you know, was doing it pretty, pretty tough. But was, again, this determination to stay in the industry was just so strong. And whilst I was, was in Seattle, I worked for a couple of families, like I nannied on the side. So I would work all day and then I would come back and look after, um, a couple of these families. Well, I, it was started with one family and then sort of ended up nannying for, I think it was four families in the end. So, and then on the weekends that I wasn't working, I was just making it as much as I possibly could, knowing that I needed to have a little bit of a buffer to support myself for what was next, if there was something next. So anyway, back to, um, you know, I'm heading down the coast, drop it, you know, doing as many interviews as I can up, up, up the coast and feeling like this is such a long shot, but something inside me was like, just stick with it. You've got this. We're going to make this happen one way or another. So um, anyway, so I got back up to Seattle. I stayed with some friends along the way and I think I got about eight interviews in up, up the coast. So then there's the wait period, right? And the follow-ups mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the different, the different phases of like how, how much can I show that I am willing to drop everything and move here to work for your team or your organization without being like irritating, right? There's always, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> and, and, willing, and willing to bet it did not last or did not take as quick as mm-hmm. your one-day turnaround for the Seahawks, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And then on top of that, I just, you know, th- it's, it definitely is a common theme that I've always been sort of racing against the clock. I've always sort of been up to like the, the, the last minute to, for something to work out or, or to sort of have something secured that, that sort of gives me the next, the next breath and <laughs> the, the next chapter that I embarked on. So anyway, I was back in, in Seattle, finishing off the internship, working furiously for these families. And long story short, nothing came through and I got really close with three company or three, three teams in particular and was just so let down and, and just sort of felt like I've, you know, so defeated in in that, in that time, in that moment. So I actually, I took a job back with the athletic department at Sydney university who I'd worked with throughout my undergraduate degree when I was on campus. 
and in the um, elite athlete program that I, that I was in. So I actually came back to Sydney and worked as a university programs manager for, I think it was five months. And again, going back to sort of like these standout moments in your career where you sort of have these epiphanies of like, what am I doing? I need to reassess and like pivot and change direction. I was driving mm-hmm. over the Sydney Harbour Bridge to work and I just was, you know, having all these flashbacks of my experiences in Seattle and I was like, what am I doing? I, <laughs> and literally went into the office. I got in early and I just started responding to everyone that I had made contact with, connections, had interviewed with and followed up to sort of see if any of these positions was, had sort of come to fruition or if anything was on the peripheral. Mm-hmm. So I got two leads and one of them was my next employer, the San Diego Chargers. So Denny O'Leary wrote back to me and said, you know, we've, we've you know, timing is of, of the essence and, and we have a position open. We'd love you to interview for it. So I interviewed with, with, uh, with him, Ken Derrett and Jen Bauer. Um, and I wanted this so badly. And I just thought in my mind to live in San Diego, to work for an NFL team, like it, this is, this is surreal. Like this is not even happening. Um, so anyway, I remember that 48 hours of absolute agony waiting for what, you know, because I, I had the, I think I had the interview on the Wednesday and it was the Friday where they were making the final decision and just like absolute knots in the stomach waiting for that decision. So Anyway, the email, well, obviously I was in Australia, so they, they couldn't call me. So the email came through and I had the offer and I was just like over the moon, absolutely elated and just like hundred percent was on board with this. So unbeknownst at that time, again, my family's been so supportive, but I actually didn't tell them that I was doing this at the time. So <laughs> I, I had come back after being gone for in uh um in sydney for the for the interim and they thought they sort of had me back and then i was like well <laughs> so sorry mom and dad i've i've got this i've got this amazing opportunity and i just can't i can't turn it down i gotta i gotta give it a go so anyway they, they were like you gotta be kidding us so <laughs> long they are again the most supportive incredible parents and family and everyone has stood by me with every crazy decision that i've ever embarked on and wanted to do. So here I am packing my suitcases again. I, I went, I moved my life back over to, you know, back, back to back to the West coast, this time San Diego and built my life from scratch. So talk about a, uh, a moment of putting on your big girl pants and figuring it out from getting set up in a new city to finding a car, to navigating you know, purchasing a car with salesmen in the US to not having any credit, <laughs> not having any credit history, not knowing anything about 401ks, you know, any, like it's entirely different system, the healthcare system, everything was so new and challenging. So on top of starting a job, getting going, it was navigating life and building, you know, like building everything from scratch. So anyway, I found it, I found a place in, and I, and it, well, I, I had, I was fortunate enough to have my cousin who's the Marine based out of Camp Pendleton, Justin, who graciously had me, I, I stayed with him for the first week just to like get me, you know, a, a roof over my head and, and sort of sort of starting point. So I found a place in Pacific beach and, and got myself situated there and yeah, was thrown into the deep end. It was the beginning of training camp. This is 20, yeah, 2013 and was the second, well, the, the, there was two coordinators. We were a small knit team. There was um, Jen, Jen Bauer, who was the manager of, uh, of corporate partnerships, and then Rochelle Cullerman and myself, who were the, the coordinators. So small, small, small knit team. And then we had five sales, five sales guys. So anyway, was launched, launched into, you know, thrown into the deep end, um, being the middle of training camp and then preseason madness, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, had to learn and catch on very quick. And then as, you know, as the seasons evolved, you get more and more comfortable and just loved, love living in San Diego. Every time, you know, I just lived for game day. I absolutely loved in season and just the rush, the excitement. And, you know, like, as everyone knows, like going back to humble beginning, humble beginnings, you work your tail off uh, long hours, you really want to like who you work with because you spend more time with them than your family or friends. And fortunately we had this amazing, you know, this amazing charges family. And, you know, we, we just 
we, we were a great team. We worked so well together and complimented each other and um, achieved great things in those few years. So the last, well, I, I, my second year of being in San Diego, I just always, you know, one message that always resonated with me from a college professor back at UC Santa Barbara, his name was Al Ferrer. He would always say, you've got to keep adding to your toolbox. And that was another thing that strongly resonated with me. And I would always say that to myself. In, and I think that it's really important in your career to have these moments of self-reflection and actually stop and think what you're doing. Because as we know in the sports industry, you just go, go, go. You're bullet a gate. Um, you know, there's what is an off-season. There's no such thing as an off-season. You're constantly, you're constantly on the clock. Um, no days off. No days off. No days off. And, <laughs> and you know what? I think that I'm sure a lot of people in the sports industry that are listening right now can relate to the fact when, you know, when they'll say, oh, you know, it's the off season. What do, do you guys have a job anymore? And so, of course, that's like <laughs> hilarious thinking about what you actually do in the off season, which can almost be as as much work as as the, you know, whilst you're in season. Vacations. Vacations. Uh, maybe once every two years, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, uh, I I was volunteering with the University of San Diego. One of my dear friends put me in touch with um, the graduate program and I became good. For, well, I, I, I volunteered for a mentor program. And I just sort of think in my career, I have relied on so many mentors and people to give me advice and to steer me in the right direction that I'm only too happy to, to give back. And when I was, you know, when I was in San Diego, I just sort of thought I've, I, I've got, I think I, I, I want to be doing more. I don't know what it is. So anyway, this program was fantastic. I've, um, you know, they'd match you with a, with a graduate student that had their focus in, in sports marketing, similar to your career or like your, um, um, your field of, of your, your line of work and, mm-hmm. and just loved it. And then I, I, I became really good friends with the Dean of the business school. So that then led to being a, a guest lecturer at the university and, and even sort of lecturing at, we, we'd go down to a couple of the schools in Tijuana, well, it was sister schools in, in Tijuana and Ensenada, the, the, the Cetus university. So a couple of weekends I'd go down with the Dean and a couple of other colleagues and we would lecture in Mexico for, for the day on Saturday or Sunday and go and have lunch with the students afterwards and come back. But I just, you know, it was really empowering and amazing. And thinking that I'm, you know, really have, don't really have a whole lot of experience in the grand scheme of, of things. And I'm literally speaking to people that, you know, graduate mature students, advising them of what, like what angles to take to get into, you know, to, to pursue a career in sports. So anyway, going back to, you know, going back to my, my, the latter years of, of being with the charges in the corporate partnerships department, um, we did have the looming, you know, the looming threat of the team potentially relocating. So that was, you know, that was a tough thing to work through. And certainly the last two years were, were quite challenging going, you know, the team didn't have a great record those last, the last two seasons and, you know, we, we all ride the highs and ride the lows in sports. And we know that mm-hmm. feeling of stepping into the front, stepping into the office on a Monday after a loss is potentially the most hostile and <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard place. I mean, you talk about Sunday scaries, right? You would, I would just be dreading all the, be texting with your coworkers. Like we don't want to go in on, on a Monday. Um, so, so anyway, towards that last year, that last season was particularly challenging and and then we got news at the end of that season that, that the charges were in fact relocating to Los Angeles. So I, you know, a lot of a lot of you know, a lot of the staff decided to not go. So that actually made our staff, you know, particularly within our department, was was pretty skinny at the time. So it was wearing many hats. And you know, like as the longer that you're in in these positions, the more that gets thrown at you. And I think before I was leaving or before I left the charges, I was overseeing all of the digital and social assets. So my role had really turned quite heavy with overseeing all of the corporates or like the branded assets of our partners that were digital and social. I was overseeing print, um, like all the game day magazines and and annual sort of publications, um, overseeing all of the in-stadium signage programs, doing the Charger Girl marketing, 
um, assisting with our annual road trips and all of our events and hospitality assets and tailgates. And of course, like when it comes game day, you switch gears, right? And you're literally turned into Mm -hmm. an events manager. So yeah, again, being a small team, I think that was a fantastic thing or a fantastic opportunity to wear all those hats and to have that breadth of experience. And again, like I worked really closely with a lot of the other departments and, and particularly Joel Price and Nicoletta Rule at the time who were in the, you know, who led the digital and social team. So um, all great experience. Um, and, and once, you know, now that the team was moving to LA, we rebuilt the, the sales deck to, to, you know, everything was tailored to the LA DMA. So we had to learn an entirely different market and obviously a very, you know, the second largest market in this country and a very competitive and already saturated one. So, you know, there was plenty of challenges ahead. So um, long story short, I decided to not move north with the team and I finished my last day, which was the, we had the draft party at, at Disneyland, which was, which was a pretty cool, <laughs> a, pr- a pretty cool last day to have, but incredibly emotional. And, you know, the team that I'm forever indebted to for, re- you know, taking a chance on this random, like this Australian girl that just, was, you know, that wanted to pursue her career in the sports. Like I just, and forever, forever grateful for that opportunity. And, and anyway, so in, I was looking at sort of making a, making a, a bit of a career shift into a tech startup. And again, like another pinnacle moment where I think I was out, I'm a, you know, I was out on the water having a surf and, and just sort of really thought about this and had, had desired to, to do some good travel. And instead of, you know, accepting this, this job that I, that I'd been interviewing for, I booked a one-way ticket to Medellin, Colombia. <laughs> so um, I called the parents and said, so bit of a change in gear. I've decided to go traveling. So they were, and again, of my family, the most supportive, incredible network that I have were like, that, that's, that's amazing news. And, and they're big travelers themselves. So they're like, great, we'll come, we'll come meet you at some stage. So I, how did you, how did you pick Columbia? Like it, you know, if you were, you were picking your one way ticket, obviously, right, right, right. you know, what, how, what, what was that process like? So seasonally at that time of the year, I originally wanted to start in Patagonia and start deep South America and work up to Peru or work up to Colombia. So it was May at that time of the year. So climatically I had to shift my, my, my game plan because I literally had sold my car, sold all of my furniture, my life, my possessions had downsized to a backpack and, um, <laughs> life and, in a backpack. you, you know what, like mi- minimalist living at it, at its, as prime. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I literally, you know, I had, I had a 70 liter, a 70 liter backpack. Um, and you know, just had my, had had planned had planned pretty well. I spent a lot of time in REI in advance and was pretty kitted up. <laughs> but going back to why Colombia, so initially I wanted to, be, to begin the trip in Panama. I really, I'd always had this aspiration to. Um, I really wanted to learn Spanish. I always that was my one regret, if anything, that I that I didn't stick with the language in school. So before, you know, the couple of weeks beforehand, I met with the dean at the business school at UC, uh, um, at USD, University of, of San Diego. And he said, oh, you're in Colombia. I'll have to introduce you to my friends who are the professors at some of the schools. And I was like, absolutely fantastic. So I connected with them and they, and, and they said, we'd love you to come and be a guest lecturer. So I had a week before I was leaving to put together um, a concept of, of, of what my content was going to be. And I had to sort of like float it by them slash pitch it to them. And then Mm -hmm. they were graciously going to send that to a few other universities. So, so in the end, I, I built out this lecture and it was crafting and executing strategy in sports business is what I called it. And then there was various elements that I would tack on because I was thinking, all right, like I've never been to a third world country in my life. How do you apply first world marketing principles to the third world? So I was like, here we go. This is going to be interesting. Um, And I thought, okay, one thing that I do know that they have for sure is a handheld device. So I did tailor it very budget friendly and, um, and, and more towards like digital social marketing. So anyway, so I I flew, flew into Medellin and talk about a feeling when you, when I actually got on that plane, I had my two best friends drop me off at the airport, waved, you know, they waved me off and, it got real. 
I was like, <laughs> I'm a crazy person. I've literally booked a one-way ticket and I, I have a loose structure, but he, like, here goes nothing. Like this, this could potentially be, it could be a dangerous decision. And I had a lot and you of, were, and you were, you were working in the NFL in San Diego, like, like a, it was a dream. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, a lot of, a lot of my coworkers and dear friends in the business were like, Oh, are you sure about this? You know, like a, <laughs> a solo female traveling down in that part of the world. I don't know if that's a good idea. And I was so headstrong that this is what I wanted to do. So anyway, off I go. Um, I, lectured I think I was, I was in Median for for a week so I in short I, I was in Columbia for a month I lectured in a few universities and then I tied in a few multi-day hikes in the jungle and did some cool national park hiking and had some good friends there that showed me around which was you know it's always nice to have the the locals the local tour um anyway so a, a good friend of mine met me in in Cartagena which is at the top of Colombia, and we did some sailing into Panama. So anyway, long story short, I spent about a month in every country and I backpacked up to Mexico. So this was initially sort of like a four-month plan in my mind, but it eventuated to about 11 months and I particularly got, wow. yeah, and I, you know, it sort of turned into a bucket list trip and I love doing the lecturing. It was just so amazing and they actually invited quite a few um entrepreneurs and people in, in this, you know, in the sports startup space. Median surprisingly actually is a very advanced, um, you know, advanced area where, where they actually support and they have like government funding for people, you know, that, that are wanting to, to you know, entrepreneurs wanting to start their companies, et cetera, et cetera. So they are, they're very, very liberal in that sense and incredibly supportive. So again, just completely a completely life-changing experience. So in Panama, I got, you know, sort of few few things on my bucket list was get to get my diving certification. So I got that when I was in Panama. Um, I did a lot of surfing from Panama all the way up to Mexico. So I, I, de- <laughs> I definitely got stuck and lost in Costa Rica. Uh, and and <laughs> there's a, anyway, a surf break called Pavone is one of the third best surf breaks in, uh, in the world. So that was just kept on delivering swell after swell and you know whenever I would think about moving on to the next place the locals or the friends that I'd made they were like but you know like the next swell is coming in the next few days so I mean why would I why would I pack up and go anywhere else (laughs) so anyway long story short I you know I spent two months in in Costa Rica absolutely loved it would go inland go and hike a volcano or like you know go and explore a flat a cloud forest and then come back to the coast my my natural habitat where I have my that's definitely my where my affinity lies um and then anyway so I think I was in Nicaragua at the time at another quite a famous surf area called Popoyo and was thinking to myself okay when is this return happening like what am I doing this was four months in um, a couple of friends were like, all right, you've had your fun and games, like time to, time to get back to work. And part of me was like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm missing the stimulation. I was enjoying learning Spanish. Um, I was volunteering for a couple of schools and nonprofits along the way. So I was getting my interaction and, you know, sort of doing a lot of things that I had aspired to do for, for a long time. Um, but it, I, I started to re-engage with a couple of people that I had been speaking with prior to my trip. And I, I actually, I'd worked with Repucom uh, throughout my Seahawks and Chargers days and was quite well-versed as I oversaw, you know, all of, all of those vendors, all of the vendor relationships that we had and re-engaged in conversation with then one of the, the co-founders. So, um, you know, down, down the path, got put in touch with the, um, the, the, well, he was the, the managing director of, of the UK at the time. And I, I, I took a, a quick little hiatus to, to the UK for the wet season when it's, it's usually notoriously September, October, it's wet season in, um, in that part of the world. So I went over to the UK and surprised my best friend for a birthday and, and actually interviewed with, um, with the managing director at Repucom. So he was in fact moving to, North America to, uh, you know, to, to oversee the like, collectively the Americas. And I, uh, yeah, I interviewed. So, or, or he led on that there was a position that was digital so, social focused um, that he thought that I would be a good fit for. So anyway, I was in, I think I was in Mexico at the time when I actually formally applied for it. So I had my initial interviews and I tell you what, interviewing 
in a third world country with patchy Wi-Fi were, proved, <laughs> proved to be quite a challenge. So it was really difficult in trying to schedule this to make sure that I was A, going to be in Wi-Fi and B, hopefully reliable Wi-Fi that wasn't going to be dropping calls. So, so anyway, conversations continued and there was, I was tasked with a project by my previous boss. So there was five questions that had to be in short form answering quite complex problem solutions or solving problems around teams that had issues or, or were looking to expand their fan bases, what platform you should leverage, what type of content. Um, anyway, so very, very, very specific questions. And I tell you what, I think I had a lot of salt water in my ears at the time and hadn't, <laughs> hadn't really used my brain in that capacity. So it took a while to get, <laughs> took a while to get the wheels turning again. And I also didn't have, I wasn't traveling with a laptop. Remember I was with, a, I had a backpack. Oh, and that stage I had a surfboard too. I had acquired a surfboard. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have the tools to, to do this presentation. I was like, well, a word document's not going to cut it. That's not going to be convincing. So I literally started writing my responses on notepad on my phone and was doing research. I'd sit in these, like in these cafes in Mexico city or like wherever I was and was putting together putting together these, this response and I had a week to do it. So I actually stayed in, I was in that place called Sayulita at the time. And so I had to, I remember the, the day that I had to actually, well, first things first, I had to put this into PowerPoint. So I, I do, I, I was in Mexico city when I was putting together or, or learned that I had to, to put this presentation together. Right. So here I am walking around with my somewhat, somewhat proficient Spanish at the time, asking businesses if I could use their PowerPoint. So I was like, I got to get, I got to get this presentation done somehow. Um, and I was really not having any luck. Like that, you know, if I could find Microsoft 07, that was, that was great. Or I would just get turned away. So I was like, okay, this is proving a challenge. I was determined to make this my best effort. How can I do this? So I put together these responses and then I emailed an old colleague and paid her to put this presentation together for me. So I sent her all of my responses on notebook and then assigned where to put all the images. And then she, with her creative touch, whipped up this amazing, uh, this amazing presentation uh, that I had to send back that week. So, so in the end, in, a couple of, you know, I, had, I had a few follow-up uh, conversations and then I had to present this to, um, to my previous boss. So I remember that day, I was like, how can I find a quiet spot where I can, you know, that has reliable Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember in the middle of this presentation, these kids were playing out the front of where I was staying and they had those throwdowns. So they're setting off explosions. There's like all, dogs, <laughs> dogs barking, all this peripheral noise in the background. And I, I was like, okay, this is, this is not going to plan, but I've just, you know, got to, got to make the most of it anyway. So anyway, <laughs> the presentation was done. I got through it and fast forward, I actually came back to the States. My sister was, was traveling with me the back end of the trip. And I, I came back to the States in January as the, as uh, the company was alluding that, that I was in, in a pretty good position to get the, to, you know, to, to, to be employed and to get this position. So anyway, I'm back in, I'm back in San Diego in January and Nielsen sports send me the letter of offer uh, to move to New York and to work. So it was, it was a manager of, of digital and social. So I, I mean, like that was an absolute, a very, very different direction to go. But again, I was like, I'm, I'm at this position in my career where going back to that good old saying of my college professor, how to, how can I diversify my skill set? How can I keep adding to my toolbox? So New York city will do that. New, in New York city, <laughs> New York city will do that. And it'll definitely give you a kick in the bum whilst you're at it. So <laughs> Oh, talk about, talk about a transformational experience. That was, that was definitely a chapter. And I had, I had a very steep learning curve again, building life from scratch in the biggest city in the U S and, and not, not being familiar with the East coast. I think, it, you know, I'd spent a lot of time on the West coast and the, with the West coast just it, to me, it has an ease and it's, it's that little bit closer to family and I've got my family there. So that, you know, so I had, I do have a support network to an extent. So anyway, New York's an entirely different beast. And when I told my parents that that was the next step, they were like, right, this, this, this might be a challenge. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. And I, I mean, I'm just going to embrace it with everything and, and see where it takes me. So, uh, so anyway, I moved to New York that was February 2000 and 
uh, and 18. So talk about thrown into the deep end. I had to learn eight of these social listening tools, which I'd never, I'd never seen in my life and or heard of. Um, and then was supporting, was utilizing the social 24 product, which is a syndicated platform that aggregates data that's used for sponsorship, um, valuation and essentially what corporate partnerships and teams use for reporting to support, um, you know, support their existing sponsors and, or like how to leverage that for the sales, you know, for the sales team in pitches. So I was in that role for a year and, you know, certainly was, was producing a lot of reports and was working with professional sports teams, leagues and rights holders and supporting uh, all of the North America business to build content strategy, um, to look at, at sort of how they can leverage their, their, their data on social 24 again for, for reporting purposes. So essentially a supporting the, 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 the DIY product. And then secondly, doing more of like the custom work that was pertaining to social listening. So, and just to explain what that is, it's more or less like, um, for a, a team or a league, what, like, what is the dialogue? What are the, what are the themes? What is being spoken about the team on, on across all social platforms? So I was pull, pulling together reports and, and insights for, for those respective teams. So, um, so again, Towards the end of the year, I went on a trip to, to uh, South Africa and sort of had the heads up before I went that things might be a bit rocky when I came back and was, you know, didn't take it too like overly, overly seriously, but was having a little look around and sort of, you know, New York was, was particularly challenging for me. I didn't know how long I wanted to last there or, or, or be there. I was certainly embracing it and sort of bounced between living in East Village and then uh, moved over to Chelsea on the west side and was commuting to Stanford, Connecticut. So, I mean, I'm sure people can relate that have had previous chapters in New York. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot out of you and you're constantly going and there's something about the energy of that city that makes you a superhuman where you don't need to sleep and you, <laughs> you certainly, and I, I think for me and coming from like a tiny beach town, not ever finding yourself, I mean, finding yourself in somewhere where there, where there's no other human insight was like an, an anomaly, right? Like I'd get up early in the morning and I've always been an early riser with my swimming background and would go and get a workout in before work and you know even even on the streets at 5 30 in the morning they're packed I'm like oh this place just never ends you can never find solidarity so uh anyway in the end coming back from South Africa two weeks in I my position was actually made redundant the company was making some some large changes and I had to think really quick of what I wanted to do and if I wanted to stay on the east coast and and you know continue or pursue my career uh, in sports on the east, or start looking to to move back west, or to move back to Australia. So anyway, I a lot of options. Right, right. So <laughs> what's what was that? I said a lot of options. A lot, of, a lot of options. But at the same time, again, going back to you know how my visa works, I had sixty days to figure that out. And as we know, with the way that sports and, and HR departments work and just the, the process can often be drawn out. So that wasn't, mm -hmm. that wasn't a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. So I, in the end, I, I, I packed up my life in New York again, skinny down to two suitcases. I think at this stage I'm getting pretty good at it and, and move myself. I actually was in Phoenix. So I stayed with my cousin in Phoenix and was, was interviewing and really assessing what the next, what the next step was going to be. And then my, I, you know, was interviewing with a few companies at the time and was sort of looking, I was really interested in getting into more the action lifestyle brand direction and, and sort of that, that spoke to me with my lifestyle and love for sports and particularly action sports. Um, but then my now boss reached out to me actually via LinkedIn and wanted to initiate a conversation. So I was like, turnkey, turnkey, turnkey. This, I, I do, I remember this I know this company from somewhere and I'd actually used the surveying platform or the surveyor platform back in my Seahawks days. And I was like, I totally remember this, this company. So I did a bit of research, but what came up in my, in, on the search engine was the executive, you know, the, the executive recruitment side of the business. So I was like, Oh, it's, it's a recruiter that I'm, that I'm going to be speaking with. So anyway, <laughs> Haynes definitely caught me off guard. 
and and said, look, you know, explain this, the uh, the state that Turnkey was in, and the company had had been acquired by the Market Cast Group and was expanding. And I said, well, this is all a great conversation, and I was like, you know, I'm just still at that stage. I was quite skeptical, like, what's this about? I want to do my homework, um, but I did say made one thing quite definitive that if we were going to continue with conversation that I, I was adamant to, to be based on the West coast. So I got the green light to that and I said, okay, let's let, give me time just to do, to, to sort of do cross, cross my, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and sort of really get a grasp on what, what this company is. So anyway, conversations progressed and Haynes sold me outright. Like I, it's just something that, he, he just instills this trust in you and he's someone that you just, you just want to work hard for. And, you know, he gives you all the autonomy and, and as a, as a boss, I, you know, I've, I've definitely worked with a, a number of different personalities and obviously the sports industry is, is great in that sense. And there's a lot of very strong personalities that I've worked with and, you know, everyone wants to be heard in a room. So, you know, I've, I really have uh, I, something about, just his demeanor that, that drew me in. And I was like, okay, this is, this is someone that I want to work for. And then once I came out to Philly, it was the headquarters of, of turnkeys in Philadelphia. And, and so did the formalities uh, in, in February, then I, I just, you know, it, I was sold. I just sort of, I saw the potential that with one of the sister companies being well-versed in the social space, more from the entertainment world, but they were, you know, they were, taking on a lot of projects with sports teams. And, and again, just the, I, I really saw the potential in the fusion of sports entertainment, as we know, the way that our industry is going, the two are very interconnected. So that, you know, that in itself, I thought was a strong foundation. And then again, it's, it's the people. And there's such a well-oiled machine. People, you know, the whole staff works in unison. So it's sort of, it's really split in two. You've got, the sales team and the, and the research team. So we sell the brains of the organization. And, you know, again, like my target, my targets with, uh, with my role is, is sports teams, leagues and, and properties and rights holders. So, uh, so again, like it was great to be back on the West coast. And I, so I, I'm, I'm actually located. I, I sit in the market cast, the parent offices, downtown LA and have got myself back to the beach and, and live in Manhattan Beach and getting myself connected and, and set up and really sort of tapping into my existing network and expanding it. So I've, uh, I've certainly, you know, utilized uh, women in sports and events, which is an amazing, you know, amazing um, organization of women that I would encourage every female to be a part of that chapter in their respective cities for, you know, f- for professional development, opportunities for all of the events that they host like it it, it really is a, uh, a a rich source of of information and, and just an amazing network to be associated with and then women in tech as well so here I am in LA this is 10 years being in the states bouncing around but it's it feels good to uh to be grounded again and, and to sort of you know now I'm I'm almost five months into the role to sort of get past that super fresh new stage of a new position and hitting the ground running. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, you think about the, the, you know, all the people we've had on our podcast and uh, I will say you're the first international uh, uh, friend we've had on our podcast. (laughs) And so uh, to hear your story is, is pretty not only inspiring, but, but, you know, motivating. And, and I think for those who are, in the industry, you know, I, I went to grad school with, uh, we had, uh, I had a colleague from India, had a call, and I had two colleagues from Canada, and I believe another colleague went over to work in France. And so uh, you can see how not only is the game changing globally in, in every sport, but there's people from every which part of the world that want to work in it too. Um, and you know, the different perspectives that you talked about that you can gain, uh, I think, are really, really unique in that, um, you know, the one thing I'd want to ask you is from all your traveling, right? So some people kind of eh, maybe don't, you know, like as your friends were saying four months in, hey, now it's time to get back to work. You know, your fun's over. Some people kind of turn their heads at, at taking a break from work and traveling and gaining different perspectives. But at the same time, 
you know, you weren't wasting time. You were gaining valuable experience. It may not have been in the sports industry per se, but gaining really valuable perspectives that, that are life perspectives that you can use in your everyday work now, right? Absolutely. Um, what, what, what were some of the things that you thought were most valuable from that time? Well, I would say that when I re-entered civilization, it was, <laughs> it, it honestly is the talking point on my resume. Like everyone that I engaged in conversation with, that's the first thing they'd ask me about. And I think that talking about sort of skill sets or, or life skills that gives you, A, navigating yourself in a third world country where you don't have the, the liberty of Google Maps. I mean, obviously you can get, you can get a SIM card, but I, 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 once I got more comfortable, I chose to take the more, the more difficult approach. But, you know, navigating, I, I downloaded this app called maps.com absolutely life-saving where you, you know, sort of like essentially what you do with, with Google, but it takes up less data mm-hmm. and, and would navigate myself through those maps. And it, I mean, it really teaches you a lot of planning and that actually, I think in retrospect really set me up for New York. Like I had to be so organized with these travel days because it's not like in the Western world, transportation certainly does not run on time. Uh, often mm-hmm. like when I was traveling on the chicken buses in Nicaragua, I was sitting three abreast <laughs> with like screaming children, uh, animals of all walks of life and 120% humidity, like definitely not f- for the average person, probably not, uh, not a comfort point, but certainly character building, we'll put it that way. That's similar, <laughs> that's similar to the subway in New York though, now, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I would, I would encourage everyone to follow subway, subway <laughs> creatures on Instagram. If they already aren't, that's, that gives him, gives me my daily New York fix every day. All of the, uh, <laughs> all the special humans that live on the subway. Um, but you know, like obviously, you know, from a, from a language standpoint, like, you know, you meet so many other people on your travels. And I think that that it it opens up your eyes to the fact that, you know, we get so laser focused on what, what we're doing in our day to day and going back to having those moments where you do stop and reflect on what you're doing and, and sort of live with purpose and, and live in volume. Like think if there's something that you really want you got to go get it. Like things aren't served to mm-hmm. you on a silver platter, a silver platter. And I always, I love the saying that you are where you are because of you and, and, you know, throwing yourself in precarious positions where, you know, it's sort of sink or swim and particularly sort of at, at these chapters of, of my travels being solo. Like, I mean, I'm not going to paint a beautiful picture. Like I, I had some very, some pretty dark challenging moments where I was, you know, I was um, robbed in Mexico City and, and sort of like had to f- run into Starbucks and cancel all my credit cards and figure it out. So, you know, along the way, I certainly had some challenging, uh, had some challenging points, almost to the point of like, I think I've got to go home because I don't have a debit card anymore and <laughs> I have no way to pay for anything. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, certainly grounding. But you know what? There are good people in this world and even with um, – I would just say it is, it is one thing to see how happy and not saying this is everywhere in South and Central America, but how happy people are to live with such little. And that was one mm-hmm. thing that I just found so beautiful. And with some of the families that I, you know, either stayed with along my travels or, or sort of got to know well. And I really loved the part of my travel where I would stay in one place for a month and use that as a base to travel around. Cause then you really sort of develop your community and, you know, and, and you have like your routine and you see the same people. And even if it's just like some very basics, you know, conversing in, in, in my, in my very basic Spanish, mm-hmm. it really, it, you know, it's, it's a beautiful feeling to, uh, to connect with people all over the world. And again, when you're traveling, you meet people from all, from all over the place, like the Germans, the Dutch, the Irish, I mean, and the Aussies. I mean, I think generally speaking, we all travel pretty well. There's a lot more, mm-hmm. a lot more Americans once I got up to Guatemala and, and Mexico. But yeah, you meet people from all walks of life. It opens up your mind, and you just—I just think every, every every person is a book. Like you have something to learn from every person that walks this earth. And again, like going back to what I said, like it always pays to start a conversation. Not grant, not granted. Like every conversation is fantastic that you want to engage in, but I mean, <laughs> everyone, everyone is something that you want to say. Everyone, come on, every, there's got to. There's got to be a conversation on the plane that you start and then you're like, ah, shoot, I shouldn't have started that one, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, now I'm stuck in this for the next, what, like one, one to two to 14 hours or however, however long you're on a plane. 
So um, anyway, all in all, I think that, you know, no, no regrets. Um, certainly, you know, if, if I look back on that trip and like, what could have I, what could have I done more? I don't think that there's like <laughs> maybe stuck around at a few more of the, you know, at some of the surf breaks and waited for that, that extra, that extra <laughs> swellers to get a few more waves. But um, yeah. You got plenty of those in Manhattan beach, right? Oh, Manhattan beach is, is treating me well. I do. I do love the South <laughs> Bay. And, and again, I think that living in New York, LA, LA is a great balance. You've got You've got the, you know, the, the exciting, colourful city offerings and neighbourhood offerings inland and then you've got the, the chillaxed, very SoCal coastal communities and, you know, where the Salty Crew live, which is, uh, which is certainly where I you know, was laser focused on living. So, yeah, it's, it's cool starting life up again and getting a car and, and you know, f- navigating your community and, and starting new friendship groups. But at this stage, lucky to have an expansive network and and I do find myself and particularly on recent travels um you know we've been working on this project with major league baseball and so I've I've definitely been spending a lot of time in in ballparks in the last two months and uh running these on-sites and it's it's pretty fantastic to be able to go to these cities and to tie in catch-ups with friends that are that are in living Mm -hmm. in every city all over the you know all in all these places that I'm traveling to and specifically I will say like, you know, being back in Seattle last week, I met up with a lot of my old Seahawks colleagues and was lucky to, to come out to a game. And it, it's pretty amazing when you go back to where it began, right? And you think about all, and it's sure. all, all those feelings come back and all the excitement and just this, this feeling of like this small town girl getting a start in the NFL and, and just bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to, to launch in and, and, and attack. So it was pretty cool being back in that city where, where, my, where my career began and reconnect with all these people that, that gave me the chance and supported me. And, you know, beautiful to have dinner with one of the families that literally kept me financially going, you know, on the side. Because as, as we know, our humble beginnings with sports, um, I certainly needed a supplemental income to, to be able to afford to live in that city. So, you know, you, you, you do what you got to do and, and you – suck it up. And I think that having, you know, my, my dad is an amazing resource and I, I pick up the phone to him often and he's, he's done very well for himself and started a couple of businesses and he's still running his, you know, multi-franchise business in Australia. And it's just beautiful that how our relationship has evolved there too. And I pick up the phone and I talk through a pitch or like, what angle do you think I should take here? And it's really brought us together. And my grandma is the most amazing person and so incredibly supportive of me as well. And my, anyway, all these mentors and people I've met along the way. And I definitely have to shout out to Paul and Jane Hoppy that I met in Lake Tahoe that have been a fantastic support to me over the years too. So I'm just so grateful for all of, all these friends and this family that I've sort of built in, uh, in the States. So, oh, and I've got to give another shout shout out to the the McCormick family in San Diego that literally have, (laughs) have brought me into their lives. And I am, um, I forced myself as, as, as another, another sibling and just adore that family. So yeah, feeling, feel very lucky to, to sort of be where I am now. And yeah, it's just enjoying this new challenge and working with some incredibly smart, intelligent people in a very different space. And, you know, everything we do is custom, custom research in nature and we have a different, I can have a different conversation with, with every single department within a, within a sports property. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic to be able to leverage my previous experience with what I, you know, with, with our services and what we do now and to really understand the crux of each department and sort of how, you know, how they can further monetize. So, um, looking forward to Absolutely. looking forward to getting into it more and you know as as time evolves it's always and with the more projects that we take on you know there's no wasted knowledge right there's always always something new to learn and with our forever evolving industry there's a lot to to keep on top of right Absolutely well and and you know I think you hit the nail on the head like um being able to uh, have that support system and you know no matter how many miles thousands of miles away you are from family it's always family first uh, at least that's the way I've always lived and yep and absolutely uh, you know I've 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 made quite a few moves around the country myself being on the indeed you the have opposite side opposite side of the country is as my family so mm-hmm. you know you you uh you make the sacrifices but it's all worth it and uh to you know to be able to work with the people that that you do um so certainly- I mean as we wrap up 
as we wrap up the episode, I guess the one the one last question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you could describe, you promised you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> if you could describe your journey up to this point in one word, what would it be? Humbling. Fantastic. Yeah. See. Absolutely. All right. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. You didn't need to think too long about that one. Right. Right. Um, Well, well, Joanna, I'll I'll finish. We we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I will say one thing. So I'm actually getting on a plane to lead a project in Australia. So I fly out tomorrow. And my family actually don't know that I'm coming. So I'm I'm maintaining my international woman of mystery status and I'm going to (laughs) show up on the doorstop. So when they do hear this podcast, which I hope they listen to, I'm going to be like, so anyway, I'm looking forward to (laughs) looking forward to seeing them. And as I said, like I only see my family once a year, maybe twice. I mean, we have this cyber, you know, relationship, but um, nothing better than seeing them in the skin. So Aussie land, I'm coming at you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Joanna, we really appreciated uh, your time and hearing your story. It's, it's certainly one to learn from and, um, if anyone needs any advice on traveling through South America, <laughs> you now know who to call. Yes. Uh, but but uh, no, really, best of luck as you continue through the journey with, with Turnkey Intelligence and, and all the amazing work that you guys are doing. And uh, we look forward to, to having you on again in the future and possibly having, you know, Haynes and, and yourself on as a, a dual episode. So that'd be yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sound. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.